if you are a footy fan and if you are mad about the World Cup, it's probably time for you to join Danny Hicks and, well, him really and me a bit on Facebook Live. The Brew is our page. We're rocking and rolling. So good afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon, Phil. Yeah, World Cup. Overture time today. Yeah, go on. Yeah, um, lots of news coming out from the various camps. Most of the teams are there by now in Qatar. World Cup starts Sunday night. About 58 and a half hours till the kickoff of the first game, which will be Qatar, the host against Ecuador. That's midnight on Sunday. And already the sport isn't the story, is it? Basically, no. Well, I'm going to come on to that in a bit. I mean, it hasn't been, has it, for this nope, since they all. were awarded the World Cup in back in 2010, um, in that strange era of FIFA when stitch ups were a plenty. I mean, they, they, them, and Russia, who hosted the last World Cup, were were awarded it in the same bidding process. Mm. Bizarrely, first time that's ever been done, <clears throat> and look where we are now. Russia haven't covered themselves in glory since hosting the World Cup, have they? And um, Qatar, well, anybody who listens to this show regularly and know my feelings about it should. But it should keeps never happening, doesn't it? You've talked. You've should talked never about golf. Been, yeah, yeah. You. I mean, some, there's always somebody somewhere whose mm. moral compass is a bit different to others, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I, you can't ban whole swathes of countries from hosting sporting events. That's not the issue here. But yeah. Qatar hosting a World Cup. Qatar have never qualified for a World Cup in their history. They've got no footballing heritage or history. Uh, they've got no, you know, great... They're no great centre of the game. I mean, when you think of the great European and South American nations and even, you know, Asia, is, Asia which is a real hotbed of football, has only hosted one World Cup, Korea-Japan, 2002. Yeah. Um, and Australia's never hosted the World Cup. Uh, many countries in South America uh, have never hosted the World Cup. Canada has never hosted the World Cup. You know, you can go on. But Qatar shouldn't have been given the World Cup. We know that. Anyway, it's here. Yes. They're, the teams are there. Problems have started already with, you know, camera crews being chucked off the street for, for filming because the police... Uh, applying their usual standards to things, despite the fact the country has welcomed the world in and to show how great they are. Things are still happening, uh, and they will continue to happen. But They will be the stories. I mean, the point being, Danny, yeah. is sport fans want the football to be the story, but human nature is different. It's more salacious, yeah, it's well, more juicy th- to get the other stuff, isn't it? I think the football will be the story, and, you know, FIFA and other people can try as their might for they're blue in the face to say, oh... Football should be the story and keep politics out of sport and all oh, that. If you want to keep happen. politics <laughs> out, if you want to keep politics out of sport, don't award World Cups to places like Russia and Qatar. It's simple. But, <laughs> you know, um, uh, but anyway, football will take over, but there will, there will be other issues at play. There always are in any world sporting event, whether it's Olympics, World Cups or whatever, that it's never quite all about the sport. So let's not kid ourselves that this yeah. is that different in that respect. But, on the pitch or off the pitch overnight, we've got some big news, unfortunately, for fans of Senegal. Sadio Mane, their talismanic striker, is out of the World Cup. Bayern Munich striker, former Liverpool striker. Uh, it's been reported overnight that he's had surgery on a knee injury, picked up against Werder Bremen on November the 8th. He'll be out for quite some time, so he's going to miss the World Cup. That's a big blow to Senegal, who kick off on Monday against the Netherlands. Mm. 
Um, and I'd say 58 half, half hours away to the to the first game, and it is events dominating uh, off the pitch that are dominating. And and if you only got to look at Portugal and, and our dear old friend Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, <coughs> what could what could happen? Just before we get on to more about mm. him, what? could happen do you think i mean do you, we don't know much about the authorities there apart from the stuff we read are they going to be pushed to a point when they start doing stuff where they don't care um about certain things I, you're talking I about cameramen Chris, yeah i haven't got crystal no of ball. course I not think, but i'm wondering i I'm think wondering. i think that having lived in the middle east for six years they're very good at uh, presenting a good face um i think police will be told to ignore things like lgbt Flags, that's the biggie. Uh, to ignore things like drunkenness in the streets, which are a big no-no in the Gulf states, Goodness if you me, ever yes. live there, um, and so on. Uh, for the duration of the World Cup, everybody would be welcome. If gay people are holding hands in the street, they'll turn a blind eye and this, that, and the other, to something that they'd normally clap you in jail for. And no doubt, as soon as the World Cup's over, they will do it again. And this is the problem with this kind of sports washing thing, isn't it? You know, it, it's all very well being fine and open and dandy for, for a month of the year. But uh, unfortunately, people and the construction workers who've built all these sites and have, have died or got serious injuries because of it and are paid a pittance in wages, virtual slave labour in the Gulf, that will still go on, I'm afraid. And it's the same old thing about how come everybody becomes Mother Teresa at Christmas. Well, what about the rest of the year? <laughs> Yeah, you know, basically. Uh, yeah. Football World Cup's not just for Christmas, is it? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Let me say hello to some of our mates here. There's a few fellas on joining us on Facebook Live. Of course, Dave, he says, good afternoon, everyone. Money, money, he says, thumbs up. Uh, Gaza says, 100% agree with Danny on Qatar. Uh, Tom says, hello, mate. Hello from QMH, only here because Scotland are not in Qatar. <laughs> and basically, yeah, oh, he said, and Dave says Australia's got no hope. You must have been talking about the World Cup <laughs> before. Yeah, it would, they're, they're pretty much bottom of the betting with the bookies, which tells its own story. I mean, Australia, I, I, you know, Australia, they're in a, they're in a difficult, they kick off against the holders, France, on, on Tuesday. So, you know, it's not going to come easy for them. And yeah, you know, Australia teams of the past, you, you could, you could name, you go through the name of great players, Marco Viduca, Harry Kuehl. Uh, Tim Cahill, but weren't Mark, they good? Mark Schwarzer and you know, only, you know, you, you could name loads and loads of great Australian players in any World Cup team. I, I struggle to name a single Australian at the moment in the team, and um, that is a sad reflection on where football's gone in Australia. But anyway, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. The build-up to Portugal's start to the World Cup has been overshadowed this week as well by events off the pitch, namely the. Uh, the ongoing petulance of one Cristiano Ronaldo, um, this club, this row he's got with Manchester United at the moment, he seems to be trying to engineer an exit from Manchester United. He's been giving TV interviews this week, one in particular to Piers Morgan in the UK, where he's unleashed both barrels at Eric Ten Hag, the club, and anyone else in the firing line. Um and he's talked about the, the sort of infamous incident where he walked out of the stadium before the end of the game against Tottenham uh, recently. It's something that I regret to left from the stadium, probably, or maybe no, I don't know. It's difficult to, to tell you 100% if I'm... But let's say I regret. But in the same way, I felt uh, provoked by the coach. I, I don't, I'm not allowed for me... Uh, a coach to put me in three minutes in a game. Sorry, I'm, I'm not that kind of player. I know 
what I can give to the teams. Don't tell me that top players, the guys who won everything, the key players, will play three minutes. Yeah, but don't tell me also that top players don't get old. I mean, you're 37 <laughs> now, Cristiano Ronaldo. There comes a day where, oh, top players don't play for three minutes. Yeah, but you get old and I think he's in a bit of a denial here. I mean, he's got that arrogance that all great sportsmen have that I should be playing all the time and all that. But also, football is a team game and um, there's no I in team. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that, but there's a you. Yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> We had that at the seven. No, but it's, it's seriously. And if the team requires that you that you come on for three minutes, five minutes, fifteen minutes at the end, and yeah. and give a certain impetus, and that's your role now, whether it's you're highly paid, whether you're Cristiano Ronaldo or Uncle Tom Al, then that is your role within the team. And um, it's quite clearly, you know, not recognizing that Father Time is catching up with him. And um, and there would have been a reason as well, a, a, a tactical reason that you know, yeah. And the you boss know, is wanted. He does. He doesn't seem to fit into the way Ten Hag wants Manchester United to play. I don't think he'll be going back to Manchester United after the World Cup. I think he's burnt all his bridges now, and I think that's what right. he's trying to do, engineering. But for the rest of the Portugal squad and team, it's the last thing you need going into a World Cup to have a controversy hanging over a player, a row, this, that, and the other. They've got Bruno Fernandes in the squad, who is a teammate at Manchester United, who has been outspoken as well, and that you know. Nobody seems to like him in the dressing room. This, these things carry over into international tournaments and it, it doesn't bode well for Portugal. Just looking at, they've got a few days yet. They don't kick off till Thursday in Group H against Ghana. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's not great. And, you know, anyway, the, the big teams have been arriving this week. Um, England have arrived um, and the big teams have arrived as well, like France. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> um, France, the holders, uh, Argentina, Brazil. Brazil haven't arrived yet, actually. Come on in a minute. But uh, the defending champions, France, have arrived. But they, you know, they've got some problems, haven't they? I mean, they lost on the eve of the tournament this week. They've lost Christopher Nkunku, their forward. Um, they've already got Paul Pogba and Angola Kante missing. Um, they do have, you know, great front line and Kylian Mbappe carrying Benzema. Tom Griezmann up front and they do have a lot of talent and as, as I said they start in Group D against Australia on Tuesday but a word of warning to French fans um, no one has successfully defended the World Cup since Brazil in 1920, uh, 1962 mm -hmm. um, which is a long time ago 60 years ago um, and the record of the previous winners in the next World Cup is abysmal starting with France when they were holder they won it in 1998 they went out of the group stage in 2002 in Korea and Japan. They lost to Senegal in the opening game. They drew 0-0 with Uruguay and they got dumped out by Denmark 2-0. Denmark are in the group again this year, if that's a bad omen for you French people out there. Brazil in 2002, won in 2002. They fared slightly better. They went out of the quarterfinal stages in 2006. But since then, the winners, Italy in 2006, Spain 2010, Germany, 2014, next World Cup, all home before the postcards, all went out of the group stage. So four out of the last five World Cup winners haven't got out of the groups. So France, I don't want to put the kiss of death on you. Maybe the reverse kiss of death. Maybe you'll be okay. But, you know, the, the omens do not bode well. But Argentina have arrived uh, yesterday, early hours yesterday morning, arrived in Qatar. It's a great fanfare, of course, Lionel Messi. You talk about Ronaldo and you talk about Messi. Messi doesn't seem to ever get involved in these club 
rails. He doesn't ever seem to court controversy. Um, obviously, there was the stuff about the move from Barcelona to PSG a few years ago. But, you know, he gets on with it. And he has a final chance as well at this World Cup to cement his legacy, um, to emulate his great hero, Diego Maradona, and lead Argentina to World Cup glory, something that he's never done despite winning everything else in the game, including Copa Americas and everything else. They start, though, in the heat of the day on uh, Tuesday. They've got a 10 a.m. kickoff local time. That's 6 p.m. our time against uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, that's going to... You know, the temperatures are 30-plus, and by the time yeah. that game end, ends, it's close to midday. That's in the burning heat of the sun. I've lived out there, and even in November. Another reason why we shouldn't be holding this World Cup in Qatar, because even in winter, it's going to be very hot. I thought there might have been some kind of rules there, because these are in... Yeah, play in a hot country, fine. But this is surely... You know well, what I mean? This hot. is a real practicality. World Cup's always hot because they're always played in the summer normally right. and they're normally played in the Northern Hemisphere, which means it's going to be hot. But, you know, in winter when teams are coming out, of most players are coming out of a European winter yeah. into the heat, it's a slightly different thing. And according to England uh, defender Connor Cody, um, he says it's going to be a big factor. And he's, uh, after the first training session with England yesterday, he described what it was like. It was hard this morning. It was hard. We've trained this morning. It was a long session and it was something we needed as a team to, to get used to it, to feel it, to, to understand it. And it's tough. Of course, it's tough. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not tough, but we're professional players. We understand what we're doing. And training this morning was fantastic. It's a different environment for us. It's something we want to take on board as quickly as possible and something we want to enjoy. It's a World Cup, no matter when it is in the time of the year. It's in the winter now. And we're here in 30 degree heat, but we want to enjoy it as much as we can. And going out there and overthinking the heat or thinking it's too hot or it'll get us nowhere so we're going out there to embrace it to enjoy everything that comes with it and let's enjoy playing in the sun we don't get it too often back home do we so let's enjoy it hey hey all right that's I, awesome. I guess which i guess which city he comes from he's irish isn't he, he plays for everton <laughs> no uh, uh bit of a scouser there connor cody really? but i mean saying quite rightly that um you know it is but Cast your mind back to... I was in Russia for the last World Cup. I did England's first game against Tunisia in Volgograd, formerly known as Stalingrad. That kicked off at what, five o'clock in the evening, local time. Yeah. It was 37 degrees in the stadium. I mean, please. <laughs> it's, oh, always, it's always hot in World Cups. I mean, I think the difference this time is it's going to be that dry heat. It's going to be quite unpleasant. And you're coming out... You're generally coming out of Northern Hemisphere winters into the heat. Whereas Indeed. you kind of... And you build up to... These guys were playing Premier League matches last Sunday. They're going to be playing, you know, England will be opening against Iran. Nine o'clock Monday night, if you want to watch that. Uh, Iran, are, uh, you know, six, seven days after playing a Premier League game in, you know, in gloves and woolly hats. <laughs> and now they're playing in 30 degrees. So it is a different World Cup. And, um, you know, one team that probably will love it, though, is Brazil, the Samba boys. They love a bit of heat and a bit of sun on their back, don't they? And the, they are they rightly start as favourites in my book. Even ah, that that was the obvious question that we were going to get to, you know, no crystal yeah, balls, I mean, etc. However, you know, they seem to start as favourites every World Cup. But I think rightly so this time. They haven't won it for 20 years. They are five times winners, more times than anyone else. And they've decided that... Um, you know, they're not going to arrive just yet. They they don't start off. They play the very last group game of the first round of group games next Thursday night against yeah. Serbia in that group. Um, and they seem to have a pretty straightforward group. I think this is another reason why they're labelled as favourites. They're not in a group with death. They've got Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. Um, few of their selections raised some eyebrows, not least Danny Alves being picked there in defence at the age of 39. But 
what a frontline and midfield selection they've got to choose from. I'll read you out some names, and it's just like a who's who of who's great in football at the moment. They've got Neymar, of course. They've got Fabinho of Liverpool, Casemiro and Fred of Manchester United, Richarlison of Tottenham, Rodrigo Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid, Jesus and Gabriel Jesus and Martinelli uh, of Premier League leaders, Arsenal, Anthony, Guimaraes, who's going great guns with, with Newcastle this year. I mean, they really have got an embarrassment of riches in it, sort of attacking midfield and up front. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard-pressed. If they get a nice, easy passage through the group, which they will, they'll build into the tournament. And, you know, the one thing Brazilian sides are is full of confidence. And um, they're going to take some stopping. But Argentina look great, as I said, with Messi. They, they're on a 36-game un, unbeaten streak. I mean, some of the teams I'm not really good to talk about in depth this at the moment, uh, this week anyway, is all Germany and Belgium and Netherlands are, are all are false. Uruguay, you know, the last last hurrah for a few of their players. That so at this stage, are we sort of in agreement about Brazil? Yeah. I Dave think certainly look, is. He knows. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone has Brazil as favourites and then it's, uh, it's who's going to be the best of the rest. But right. surprises and shocks happen in World Cup, especially once you get to the knockout stages. So... Um, you know, of of the European teams, I mean, I suppose you could say on paper that England are the best of them because they got to the Euro 2020 final last year, a year late. They lost to Italy on penalties. Italy didn't even qualify. So, you know, the, the European champions are not even there. So the European runners-up are England. As I say, they begin against Iran on Monday in Group B, yep. um, 9 o'clock. You know, and they've got a bit of pedigree, haven't they, the Gareth Southgate side? Semi-finalists four years ago, lost to Croatia in extra time. As I say, beaten finalists in the Euros, lost only on penalties to Italy. Yeah. And uh, one thing I think we've, we've learned under Gareth Southgate is that, you know, the England squads are brilliantly prepared for these tournaments these days. And, um, you know, one of the, the newest members of the squad, James Madison, has been talking about the attention to detail, even in the team hotel. We've come out here, we've got an absolutely fantastic hotel. The team we have here at the FA in England... Second to none. The, the setup we've got in our hotel is absolutely brilliant. All down to the finer things, like the little touches, like going checking into my room, and and there's like little framed pictures of my my little boy and my family and my mum and dad that they do, and just the little things like that. So um, yeah, everyone's in good spirits. Um, a lot of excitement, and, and can't wait to get going. Yeah. Yeah, and also in England's group, of course, uh, Wales. Um, so that's going to be a hell of a clash. That's going to be the final game in the group, mm. Wales v England. That could be absolutely pivotal. And and the USA, who um, caused England some problems in the 2010 World Cup when they were in the group with them. So sure. uh, not straightforward. You look at that, you go Iran, Wales, USA, oh, England should breeze through that. It's not going to be as straightforward as that, I think. Hang on one second. We've got a few more minutes together. Join us on the Bruce Facebook page, especially if you're a football and World Cup fan. Gaza says Brazil too. That seems to be the word that's popping up. <laughs> Why not? That's a bit of fun. Well, the book, they're the bookies' favourites. The bookies rarely get it wrong. You won't get much of a price on them at the moment. Maybe, hopefully, they get turned over in the first game and the odds <laughs> will go out a bit. Then get your bets on them. But anyway, um, Wales, you know, that's a, that's going to be a tremendous matchup. Wales, of course, would love to put one over England. Uh, they clashed in, the, they were in the group in Euro 2016, Wales and England. And, yeah. um, you know, Wales were, really should have got a draw out of that game. England, last minute winner. Um, but the great news for Wales this week, huge boost for them, is that Gareth Bale, the captain, the talisman, they're, they're great players, declared himself fully fit for this World Cup. He's been um, 
you know, he's been under a bit of an injury cloud. He hasn't played much football lately. He's only had about half an hour in a major league soccer. People are wondering whether he's going to be fit or not. And he said he's going to be great, good to go, he'll play as many games as he needs, and he'll play all the time in the world. But he's been talking about the problems of this, this mid-season World Cup, and we talked about it so many times, in that, you know, they were playing Premier League games and playing league games a week ago, and players have... Um, have been living in fear, really, the last few weeks, especially Wales players. Wales haven't been to the World Cup for 64 years. And the Welsh players, players in that squad, have been terrified of getting injured and missing out on on this amazing experience. And Gareth Bale's been talking about it. It's been difficult probably mentally more than, than anything. And just, um, yeah, I guess for everybody, the last three, four weeks has been, has been difficult just even hearing the stories of players going down, knowing now they're going to miss the World Cup. It's, um, yeah, it's been difficult, I think, for everyone, just speaking to a few of the boys, praying not to, to have a, a, an injury at all because this is such a big occasion. So um, we're here now and I'm fully fit, ready to go. And, yeah, if I need to play 390s, I'll be playing 390s. No, that's good news for Wales fans. Three 90 minutes, three lots of 90 minutes. They'll hope it be more than three lots of 90 minutes, of course. They'll get through to the to the knockout stages and who knows where they can go from there. They went all the way to the semi-finals in those Euros in 2016. So, uh, you know, probably a tall tall order for them to, to do similar here. But uh, you never know. You never know. There's always some shocks and surprises. As I said earlier about these, you know, winners going out in the group stages in the next World Cup. It happens all the time. Germany beaten 2-0 by South Korea, two goals in injury time, so send them home before the postcards, uh, as we say, from Russia. I yeah. mean, it was an incredible sort of turnarounds. But of course, you know, as, as we've already touched upon, these human rights as, aspects in, in Qatar are going to be to the forefront. You know, and, and hats off to the European teams, 10 of them, including England and Wales, they said, EFA has said overnight again that Harry Kane will wear a rainbow armband, uh, LGBT, in support of LGBTQ rights in in the first game, and they will continue to wear it. And despite FIFA threatening with fines and asking them not to, and this, that, and the other, they'll say, we'll pay the fine. So have the Wales FA, we'll pay the fine. It's worth it. We need to make a statement. And I think it's great that the teams are going to do it. And, you know, FIFA. Till they're blue in the face, they say, oh, we should concentrate on football and politics shouldn't come into it. I'm sorry. As I've said, you know, you you hold it in Qatar. You, you This comes with the territory, I'm afraid. Kind of does. And, um, you know, Conor Cody, again, has been talking about this and has been asked in the press conference yesterday, and he said the England players on this issue will not be silenced. We really believe that football is for absolutely everybody. That's what we believe as a team, believe as people, believe as players ourselves, and that's what we want to focus on. And listen, we've... We've come to a country where we'll respect rules and respect everything that goes on in this country. And listen, we're all here for one thing, and that's to play football. But in terms of what we believe in as a team and what we believe in as players, and that's football for all and everybody to be included in our great sport, yeah. So, you know, they're going to keep those issues at the forefront. I think that the three things, to my mind, is workers' rights. Yep. All those poor buggers who've bought, built the stadiums over the years and some of them lost their lives being paid a pittance wages, trying to send back money to support families in, in India, Sri Lanka, the Philippines, elsewhere, where they get these migrant workers from. And the other thing, of course, is women's human rights in terms of women's rights and LBGTQ rights in, in, in states like that, where, let's not forget, homosexuality is actually illegal in Qatar. Can you believe that we're in 2022 and there are places in the world where this still happens? But anyway, back to the football. So we kick off Sunday night. 
Qatar v Ecuador in Group A. The hosts, uh, let's see how they go, eh? They've got home advantage. You never know. They've, I have to say, they've been drawn in a relatively easy group. Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and the Netherlands in Group mm-hmm. A. I mean, you'd expect the Netherlands to waltz that group. And then, you know, Senegal, say without Sadio Mane now, Ecuador and Qatar, toss-up really between those who goes through with the Netherlands. So they get a result against Ecuador on, sun- Ecuador on Sunday. Qatar could be looking at getting into the later stages, much to everyone's surprise, I guess. And then Monday is when the World Cup really starts. So at nine o'clock Monday night, England v Iran. Then at midnight, Senegal v Netherlands. USA v Wales. Welsh people in Hong Kong. I'm sorry, it's three o'clock Tuesday morning if you want to watch that one. Set your alarms. That's the first Wales World Cup game since the days of John Charles and all in 1958 when they almost turned over Brazil. I mean, you can't miss that if you're a Welshman. I don't care who you are. If if I was Welsh, I'd be getting up at three in the morning for that. And then some other games to look out for next week. I won't run for all of them, but Argentina start on Tuesday, six o'clock our time against Saudi Arabia. Then three o'clock Wednesday morning, France begin their defence against Australia. Now it's six o'clock in the morning, Australia. That's not a bad time, actually, for Aussie Dave and people down there. Get up a little bit earlier and watch that over breakfast. Gives him time to get back from Bathurst, doesn't it? Yeah, last year's, uh, last time's beaten finalists, Croatia. They start off against Morocco on Wednesday, six o'clock our time. Germany, I've hardly spoken about them, but Germany normally are always a force in World Cups. They start against Japan, nine o'clock Wednesday night. Spain, 2010 champions, they start against Costa Rica on uh, midnight on Tuesday. Yep. And then on Thursday, we round off the first round of matches where Brazil start against Serbia. That's three in the morning, actually Friday morning. So we'll bring you right up to date next week on Friday, what's happened in that game, hopefully some clips, yes. what have you. And we've got also that now we get South Korea, Asia's other great hope. Song Hyun Min will be playing in a mask because he's got fractured cheekbone, been training in it, but it looks like he's going to play against Uruguay, nine o'clock Thursday night. And uh, Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, the petulant one, and Al. You know, will they will they turn up? Will they self implode? What's the mood like in the camp? We'll know at midnight next Thursday when they open up against Ghana. Can't wait for the football to start. Let's keep the other issues in mind as well. It's going to be weird watching a World Cup in November, December, but uh, that's what we got, and it starts on Sunday night. Sports and all, Danny Hicks.